Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, boy, today I am delighted and honored to welcome Chris Prefontaine to the show. Uh, Chris is a uh, quite a star in the real estate arena. Uh, Chris has written many bestseller books. Uh, real Estate uh, on Your Terms uh, is one popular book. The recent one, uh, Real Estate, The New Rules of the Game, uh, is another one. Uh, Chris, along with his team, uh, they have a uh, nationally acclaimed uh, coaching program. They help students do deals. He himself has done hundreds of deals. Uh, he, along with his close family, uh, helps students nationwide acquire real estate and do all sorts of deals, whether it's subject to seller financing, lease options, master leases, uh, you name it, and Chris has them covered. So we are here to kind of learn about Chris's story, understand the breadth and gamut of things that uh, they, uh, you know, happens around him. Uh, so without taking your thunder away, uh, Chris, uh, in your own uh, terms, if you could uh, kindly give us some background and we will kick off the show, Chris. I appreciate sure. it. Thank well, thanks for having me, certainly. Um, this whole, you know, terms niche, as I call it, was born out of the um, 08 debacle, I call it my book. Sure. But um, so we, it, it was, it was bad for us. So we said, okay, if we're going to get back in real estate, what are we going to do? And what the answer that we came up with was how we built the business now. So we don't use banks. We don't solicit investors. We don't sign personally on any loans. We buy everything on terms. And to us, that means lease purchase, owner financing, subject to those three mm -hmm. primary, primary mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. I see. Now, uh, Chris, help us understand uh, sort of your early journey that uh, how you came into real estate and what was about that OED debacle that uh, kind of changed your mindset and like a fundamental uh, shift into your real estate strategies. Uh, you know, some hard, hard, tough lessons there. Yeah. Hard's an, yeah. Hard's an understatement. But let, so I'll go back further. So uh, 91. So I'm, I'm going knocking on 30 years here, um, we started building homes and then that led to buying a realty executives franchise. So I put my broker hat on for the first time. Sure. We sold that to Coal Banker in 2000. Mm -hmm. And then after 2000, started doing our own investments and then started doing some coaching throughout mm -hmm. US and Canada. Sure. And then that led to then the 2008 crash. Sure. Mm -hmm. During that, we had, oh man, like 22 or 23 properties that good sized properties that were all signed on personally. And so when the market dropped, the banks go where? I'm going to sign personally. So sure. that was a four-year project to wind out, three and a half, four years to wind out of all those properties mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. re-engineer the whole business to do what we're doing today, as we said earlier. However, to your point, the shift was, if we even were going to come back in, like I said earlier, the shift was just set those rules up to not go back there again. Mm -hmm. and, and it's very easy to do if you have good credit and the market's booming sure. to go do that. Use your credit and buy property, right? The conventional sure, way. sure, sure. I love, uh, and this was not my quote, so nobody can get mad at me on this, but there's a, there was a quote that came out of uh, Vern Harnish's, he does scaling up. Sure, And he had a virtual, sure. and his guy on the thing said, literally quoted him, he said, any idiot can build a business during a boom. 
because mm -hmm. success is a really bad teacher, right? Absolutely. So that's what that's what changed our journey, that whole thing. And clearly the lessons come from the, the bumps. Absolutely, absolutely. As we know, and as we say all the time, uh, sort of the rising tide uh, rises all boats. And mm -hmm. it's really during a recession or tough times, you kind of know that who are the real players, the experienced ones who know how to navigate the market and kind of ride the yeah. ship, so to speak, you know. Now, help us understand some of your strategies. You know, I see that there's a fundamental shift and I can almost see a, a war of sorts uh, brewing underneath because lenders, uh, as we all know, they all would like to, unless, uh, I mean, uh, even if it's, let's say your entity is purchasing the property, they would always love to cross collateralize or have you personally guarantee some of those, uh, uh, you know, sort of the real estate side of the house that you are placing the debt on. So could you maybe help us understand, uh, Chris, what was that journey like, meaning that you don't want to sign personally on anything, right? So how do you kind of tackle that, uh, 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 you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's a high mountain. <laughs> No. Um, well, I'll put some numbers to this too. So yeah, it's important. So sure. we buy with our students and or our own properties. Mm -hmm. We're doing between 25 and 30 deals a month. There's wow. plenty of demand for what we're doing without touching banks by, by doing it on a lease purchase or on a financing. And mm -hmm. since COVID happened, uh, okay, so I'll back up. We built the model to be recession resistant. So sure. coming out of OE, we said, okay, we didn't know COVID, but we said, let's build this to kind of weather all markets. That was sure. the intent. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't just survive during the COVID till now, we thrived. And it's because that's why the model was built. Uh, banks are shutting down for the most part. I'm using a strong word, but they're, they're, they're clamping down on people qualifying for loans, right? We all sure, know that. Sure, sure. If they're clamping down, sellers aren't selling at the same rate. When Right now, it happens to be a nice little market going on in most areas, but when the COVID and the coming in the fall, when the buyers get clamped down even more, mm -hmm. then they come to us. The sellers come to us and the buyers come to us. So the volume has tripled since COVID because people need our help. That's, sure. that's why. Sure. Now help us understand that financing strategy, uh, Chris. What does that entail? Like meaning uh, you said lease option. Are there any other avenues you use uh, of, of, you know, during this? I like a lease option if, let's say you're my seller and you have an underlying mortgage. Mm -hmm. I like lease option, why? Because for the new investor, it's super simple. Deed doesn't transfer, it's a $10 deposit we have built into our agreement, so it's not daunting. Mm -hmm. And all it says is, once I fill their home with my buyer, that who needs time for mortgage readiness, mm -hmm. and I just pay the underlying debt, but I'm collecting more than that every single month mm -hmm. uh, until they get financed. I like, owner financing for free and clear properties. About a mm -hmm. third of the properties in the United States are free and clear, there's no debt on them. Sure. Mm -hmm. So we structure deals whereby if you're my seller, I'm paying you monthly, but mm -hmm. I'm paying you principal only payments. I'm not paying interest. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting any money down and I'm not paying interest. And of course I'm not signing personally, I'm paying the owner like I would a bank. Sure. Any, any strategies, uh, Chris, wherein perhaps someone who doesn't have much equity in, in the house, uh, are there any options uh, around that uh, if, if you were to come across any deal like that? Yeah, I would do that still on a lease purchase or mm -hmm. if they're just, some people are uh, desperately in need of getting out from money to debt, mm -hmm. then I might buy it, like take ownership, take the deed subject to the existing financing staying in place. 
Mm-hmm. If I do a, a, a lease purchase, and we did some like 2012, 13, 14, where they were over leveraged or close to being what's owed, we mm-hmm. just said to them, okay, you're not willing to do a subject two, fine. Mm-hmm. We have to do a lease purchase long-term, like nine years long-term. I'm still in these deals. And now those properties that were over leveraged because of the principal pay down, there's six figures in them now. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting niche because the way we buy and the way we exit, every single uh, deal is three paydays created for the investor. Three. And any business owner would love that because it's cash now, cash monthly, and then cash down the road. I don't sure. care what business you're in. That's a cool model. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there anything specific uh, that you target, uh, like as far as, let's say, the neighborhood, the seller motivation and things like that? What, what are some of the hallmarks of knowing that, hey, this situation or this deal looks like a real deal. Let's go after it. Okay. So... So the first part of that, we find all our leads um, expired listings that didn't sell with realtors for sale by owners and for rent by owners. That's where we find most of our leads. Mm-hmm. Um, can you target more niched if you want to, or if you want more leads? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's numerous, but we love the free and clear out of state owners. Sure. Now, COVID brought on a whole new level of this because a lot of owners who own property out of state don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And sure. so you have these free and clear properties sitting there that, and they're willing to do owner financing because they can get the best price. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get it over time. Sure. Sure. Now let's kind of delve into it further, uh, uh, Chris there, that the expired listing, the free and clear, um, uh, you know, the free and clear properties are perhaps the out of state owners, right? All of these strategies need some level of research, some level of staffing and things like that. Could you maybe go behind the curtain in terms of uh, how you're doing, who's doing it, the staffing model, the kind of the marketing engine and all of that detail. If you could explain further that, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Good question. So on the, what drives the leads is one simple service that that collects for us those three categories I said, Mm -hmm. but then what happens? Those go to virtual assistants. We have a team trained since 2013. You know, we got a lot of years behind us with the, with the virtual assistants. Sure. They call first. Mm-hmm. Those that are open to doing something on terms get handed to myself or the investor, whoever the investor is in that market. Sure. And then they call them. So you got mm-hmm. something that already raised their hand. They were sort of pre-vetted. Mm-hmm. And then they, they go ahead and call them. Now, what does it take for a team? And like you said, the engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you some metrics again. So roughly speaking, you can get to about a deal a month with yourself and a very part-time assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Aside from the VA, that's lead gen. But sure. from, a, from a team standpoint, once you want to scale past that, then you're going to start talking about bringing maybe another VA, maybe more, more full-time assistant. Mm-hmm. However, remember I said three paydays? Sure. Our average. Right now for our family team is 75 grand for all three paydays per house. Wow. Our mm-hmm. students range from 45,000 to 250. We're in the lower end of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I say you can get to one deal a month and all you do is the little system I just told you, that's quite lucrative. It's going to cost you between 500 and a thousand dollars. Once you get that up and rolling, if you want to use VAs, you don't have to, you can call yourself, but I, just, sure. In hindsight, I would say put a VA in right, right away for that kind of overhead. It's, it's a no brainer. Sure. Sure. And absolutely. You, you, as you rightfully counted out, you are 
time is valuable as to where you are spending. So if you can delegate something to, uh, you know, VAs, uh, you know, that's, that's more power to you and you can do some power negotiation in, uh, you know, in, in spite of, I mean, in, instead of calling uh, these, um, you know, different owners. So any deal characteristics, Chris, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, let's say the price point or the neighborhood or how you target any certain uh, states or zip codes or lucrative neighborhoods around and things like that. What, what does that intelligence look like? Yeah, um, not geographic and somewhat price range. If you want to be in the sweet spot, so to speak, it would be the median, the stuff that's going to move anyway. Like I know COVID's here, but people are still getting married and people still want to buy a house and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, so what do we look for with sellers? We look for someone that we look for the reason they're selling. Sure. The urgency. So is it always stress? No. Right now, it could be, I got to get out from under this day, I lost my job. Okay, that's stress. Sure. It could be, I have this property, I own it free and clear, I'm good financially, but sure, I'd like the best price, and sure, I can wait for my money. That's how we bought our own office building. Mm -hmm. So the key is not geographic or trends and all that. This works in any market. The mm -hmm. key is, what is the motivation behind selling, and can we solve that? Can we help them get their goal or, or solve their challenge? That's all we're doing. Mm -hmm. So people say to me, how, how do you convince the sellers that must be difficult? Nope. If you can solve their problem, you're the answer. The only person we can't help is if someone needs all their cash out now because we don't buy cash and we don't buy with loans. Hmm. That's it. Everyone else we can help. I see. I see. So buying on terms uh, is the central uh, sort of the pillar and you can wrap various strategies around and if someone can sort of uh, delay or pro pro procrastinate their payments and things like that, you can be the instant uh, sort of the right solution right now and kind of get their debt burden off their he uh, headache. And, you know, whether that's rentals and things like that, you could then. So now let's say you you and your group, uh, Chris, uh, let's say you uh, helped a, a homeowner, uh, let's, let's say like, you know, John Smith uh, uh, on 123 Main Street, right? So you take over his property. What's next? Are you marketing it for as a rental? Uh, what is that sort of, uh, uh, I mean, disposition is uh, hard of, a, uh, it's, it's a bit harsh word, but what does that, uh, uh, you know, sort of that marketing angle looks like that will then start to get into your uh, day two, meaning the monthly cash flow engine? Like, wh yeah. what does those strategies look like? Um, okay, so we always, any agreement we have, doesn't matter which strategy we use, mm -hmm. especially if you're new, you're going to make that contingent upon you finding your buyer. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. So our buyers are who? They're not renters. Mm -hmm. They're buyers that need time to qualify. Sure. They're going to do a rent to own to get there, but they're not okay. renters. There's a big difference. Sure. Because mm -hmm. a renter has no tie to the property. A buyer who said, uh oh, I can't get qualified now because of COVID, or uh oh, I'm self employed. I need two years of what the mm -hmm. bank calls seasoning time. Sure. These buyers all need time. So mm -hmm. they're buyers that come in with a non refundable down payment. That's payday one. Sure. Then payday two is we're going to then stop paying on the mortgage. Do we have our buyer? So there's no risk there. Do we have our buyer? We don't stop. And we're going to charge the buyer more sure. That's payday two. Mm -hmm. And payday three is the back end markup of that property, but also it's the principal pay down throughout the term of that, these, that rent to own, because mm -hmm. we, it's like we own it. We get all the principal pay down. Sure. 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 Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Now, 
is there any uh, sort of considerations or risk in terms of let's say you're doing the rent to own um, you know of course uh, i assume that you have solid attorneys drafting all these agreements and things like that uh, could you maybe talk about some of the uh, you know major risk points into this deal that okay the buyer uh, rent to own buyer has to have a certain criteria perhaps or they need a certain profile of job, credit score, things like that. Uh, how do you mitigate some of those challenges? Uh, and, and I assume that you, uh, uh, you probably get uh, credit challenge buyers all the time. That's what we get, yeah. So this is, the answer is this is a system, but what is the system? Mm -hmm. the, the buyers in a rent-to-own program, too many investors, and they teach it publicly, don't care who they put in. So they take a deposit, the buyer doesn't get qualified, then somebody's upset. Mm -hmm. Morally and ethically, it's awful. So we, our model sets up the buyer to win. And how do we do that? Mm -hmm. If you're my buyer and you have a challenge with credit or you need time for a new job or whatever it is, you're going to go through some pre-qualifying with a mm -hmm. registered uh, uh, loan officer. You're mm -hmm. also going to go through credit enhancement so that the report comes back to us and says, okay, we spoke to John Jones buyer sure. and they need X amount of months to qualify. If X amount of months, 24, 18, whatever, mm -hmm. fits within the terms that we need to cash the seller out, mm -hmm. we accept them because they're gonna now we're setting them up to win. Sure. We don't have people that are that are upset with the process. So mm -hmm. we're always setting them up for success. That's so the answer is to avoid risk, you pre-qualify the buyers and make sure you have a true buyer that needs time, not a renter that's had bad credit for 20 years and is a headache. Sure, sure. So does that entail, uh, Chris, further that uh, whoever is the prospective buyer, you have some kind of a system where you, uh, or a set of, uh, let's say, a mortgage brokers or credit repair folks who are reviewing the profile of uh, buyers who are coming through your door mm -hmm. and saying that, yes, this person can certainly, uh, you know, given a chance or uh, given, let's say, a time of 24, 36 months can be a successful uh, end buyer uh, uh, eventually. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So we get a report that's like 30 to 50 pages telling mm -hmm. us, you know, criminal check, sexual harassment, all that, but also the mortgage readiness. Mm -hmm. So we make sure they're okay. So are there some buyers that we can't take? Sure. If we have a three-year deal with a seller and the, and the package comes back and says, these guys are going to take four years to get qualified, that doesn't fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and speaking of the houses as well, or the properties that you're targeting, are they more in the profile of, let's say, like a first time home buyer range? Like, I mean, of course, it's all depends on market as far as price points, but mm -hmm. would it be uh, okay to say that it's, it's more around that 200,000 to perhaps 300,000 price range, or is it completely market dependent perhaps? No, market dependent because like I have a student in DC that mm -hmm. ranges in the kind of the 600,000 to 1.8 million mark. We had a 3.5 <laughs> million call the other day. The other day, So it just depends on the market. Um, sure. Arizona, my student there has kind of a lower end market. So she's on the lower end of the three paydays, mm -hmm. you know, as far as what she makes. So it's not, it's that sweet spot. It's that median price range above and below the median. Mm -hmm. It's the sweet spot, but it works in every, in every range in this area. I live in a resort area, but off, off island here, uh, I would say our average in Rhode Island is closer to 300, but we have an oceanfront home an hour away that is, we bought on term, mm -hmm. a million dollar home. So mm -hmm. it works at all levels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And now 
Could you maybe give us some insights specifically, uh, Chris, around how you have all this system set up, like what it took uh, when you started and as, uh, as you know, sort of uh, proficient as your company is now, uh, could you maybe perhaps share some tidbits about what it took uh, to uh, some of the trials, tribulations, and you perfected your system? Could you maybe give some of your touch points around that? Yeah, well, I think the short answer is the right people, right? But sure. that takes time and trial and error. But absolutely, um, it, it's definitely people and systems. So anything, it's like picture your business as like a McDonald's, right? Mm -hmm. So if anything's repeat or mundane, we're just in the mode. I've always been in the mode of okay, then let's put it in the system, let's automate it. Um, so there's no way to scale without that. But then we attached ourselves to an organization called Elite Entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And they help businesses scale into the seven and then eight and then eight figures. Mm -hmm. And they do that by simple things like meeting flow, meeting rhythm, um, scaling, communicate, you know, just all stuff that people don't think about after doing a deal. Doing sure. a deal is not hard. I don't want to water it down, but doing a deal is not hard. Sure. What's hard for us, everyone, is to be the business owner. Sure. To understand how to run that and scale that. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean uh, then, um, Chris, that you have specific people who are uh, sort of in charge of several uh, things within that workflow? Obviously, your VAs are handling, uh, you know, sort of the marketing side of things. But what about, you know, let's say the, the calling piece of it or the transactional handling of the piece. Uh, of course, you have your coaching program, so you are busy with your students, uh, guiding, helping them as well. So could you talk about uh, some of that in-process uh, staffing and, you know, how, uh, you know, I, I, as, I, as I can imagine, it's such a key to have the right people in right seats, as we say, right? Could you maybe be a little bit more specific about how difficult was it to get the right people and how much oversight you you have to have on all the different pieces of this? Uh, oh, okay. So the last part is easy. If you've got the right people, it's not a ton of oversight if you get into sure. a nice weekly and monthly and quarterly rhythm uh, mm -hmm. meeting flow. However, I just to give this context, I so I started by myself in the terms business. I did not have a, there was nothing to have a company over. It was just me doing deals. Sure. Um, and, and so in my, one of my courses, I have a thing called the path showing people how I scale. But the short answer to your question is exactly the same is, so it was myself and then it was a part-time assistant. That's what I tell people to do. I just tell them to do what I do. It's not theory, it's just what I did. Mm -hmm. so an assistant and then my son came on to help with the buyers and he became full-time. Mm -hmm. And then my son-in-law came on to help with the sellers. Mm -hmm. And now we've since duplicated that again and brought on a seller specialist. So it was mm -hmm. me, then it was transferred to him, then he duplicated it with someone else so that he can free up his time. So it's very scalable after mm -hmm. you're willing to go through kind of the trenches for a little bit. Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, now, Chris, speaking of, you know, your coaching program, your students and things like that, when was it apparent to you that, uh, yes, I can market this as a coaching program and help a lot more students and obviously reward yourself uh, by having some share of the uh, several deals that go under your program as well? Could you maybe uh, give some uh insights into how you set up that and kind of uh you know how does it look like today yeah two things uh come to mind one is that happened only by um well nothing's by coincidence in my opinion but it, it was coincidental that a gentleman from the war college we have a war college here on the island mm -hmm. on a small island mm -hmm. and he called the same going back to civilian life 
Mm -hmm. I'm done with my tours to Afghanistan. I understand you do real estate. I'd like you to teach me. Mm -hmm. That started the coaching business. And then that led to an ebook, which led to the best sellers. So then we said, okay, on the other side, the practical side, you see my shirt says bridge the gap today. Sure. Mm -hmm. Our concept is this. You talked about revenue sharing. You just said we share deals. Sure. There's too much, too many programs in real estate, in my opinion, that mm-hmm. are marketed well, but not necessarily by people that are doing deals. Number one, number two, not necessarily people that are going to help you do deals. Sure. Not to sell. Sure. Sure. We have a simple philosophy. Bridge the gap means we're going to bridge the time frame by which it takes you to travel from I saw a course or a seminar to I did a deal. I actually profited. Mm-hmm. And there's a big gap there. So that's what bridge sure. the gap means because. We have students every week calling us saying, well, I've taken eight courses. I bought 10 courses. Two of them had spent hundred grand on courses and sure. never did a deal, which mm-hmm. I don't even understand. So sure. we focus on doing deals with our students. That's it. We don't do other things. We don't do masterminds. We only do things that are going to produce transactions for our community. <laughs> now, um, thank you for that detail, uh, Chris, there. Uh, now, Chris, help us understand uh, some of the systems like, you know, the workflow, the contact management system, let's say the emails, the uh, phone calls, like, you know, could you maybe give some specificity around what systems. those s- systems look like? Yeah, so uh, going back to the beginning again, so the, the, the leads are loaded into an online platform, automatically pull those three categories. The virtual assistants take those in column. Once they contact someone that is an actual lead, they <laughs> fill out online and load up our CRM, which is through a company called FreedomSoft, but we've white labeled it and made it custom to us so everything's in there. So sure. our students come on, they get everything we have, they get. Sure. Pretty customized. <laughs> Uh, we then take it as a team and mm-hmm. we call the sellers. Uh, the seller specialists will do that and then book the appointment and, and go out. Now it's a lot of virtual right now, of course. Sure. And then once the property is taken, we call it taken, but it's under contract. Mm-hmm. It's contingent upon finding a buyer, remember? Mm-hmm. So then my sure. son kicks in. He's on the buying end uh, to get him sold and he handles that. That's all done online as well. I see. I see. Now generating the leads, we initially touched upon Chris saying uh, you're scouring through ex- expired listings and things mm-hmm. like that. What are some of the sources? Like I, I imagine MLS would be one, your sort of public data source, whether uh, that's, uh, you know, state's website where they maintain the, uh, you know, sort of your real estate records and things like that. What are some of the sources you are collecting before it feeds into your system? It's actually just that one source, believe it or not. My plus leads. Yeah, it's on our it's on our resource page. It's just one source. So they their service automatically pulls and scrubs and delivers to us the expired Fisbo and Ferrant by owner all in one spreadsheet. And then our VA just dials from that list. <laughs> you don't have to in and sourcing. You used to have to do that, uh, what you alluded to, but no no longer. It's simple. Sure, sure, sure. And and are you like, like, you know, as we all know, Chris, that nowadays there are just so many free source resources where sellers can uh, maybe, you know, sort of list their houses on, let's say, whatever it's the Zillow, the Redfin, or, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, other FSBO websites and things like that. So are you perhaps pulling some of that data as well? No, because w- what you just described is someone that's going to sell on the open market conventionally. They're looking mm-hmm. for a conventional buyer that can get a loan. Mm-hmm. That's 20% or less right now in the market. 20% mm-hmm. or less of the buyers can go get a loan today. It's worse mm-hmm. with COVID. I don't know what the status is. It's lower. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. no, we, we don't have to worry about that. We don't deal with properties that are on the market like that. We don't deal with 
buyers that can get loans right now. Mm -hmm. The whole other 80% of the market that needs our help right now. I see. I see. And uh, is there some of the checkpoints within your system? Like, let's say, uh, you know, you have a successful transaction, meaning uh, you found the lead, uh, seller is interested, you found a buyer and things like that. So now buyer is into your lease option program, right? Uh, so as the their journey continues in your workflow, for example, uh, do you have any checkpoints that uh, perhaps every three months or six months, um, you know, you're pulling credit as to how they're doing or are, are there any reporting requirements uh, for uh, prospective buyers? How, what does that uh, sort of uh, discipline system look like? Yeah, good question. Our third party does that. So mm -hmm. the person that we send them to for the credit enhancement, mm -hmm. we gave them the plan that then becomes part of their agreement, so they have to follow it. Mm -hmm. They have an online portal. Mm -hmm. I can check if you're my buyer, I can go and check anytime I want to see if you're sticking to the plan because it is part of your agreement. If you don't stick to the plan, you not only default the agreement, but you can't, you won't get financed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we can go online and check with their service. We don't have to worry about phone credit ever. We don't report, none of that. We just go through that service. Sure. Now, um, Chris, moving on, you wrote uh, several bestseller books, right? Uh, I think Real Estate on Your Terms was uh, your first book about sort of your uh, journey into, you know, trials and tribulations during that 08 era and how that became the uh, genesis for what is your program today. Now you have your second book, uh, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. Could you maybe share with the listeners what's that about and how uh, kind of that came into uh, picture? Yeah, that, that dove a little deeper because the first book was what you and I have been talking about. Sure. The second book was taking uh, 24 experts of which we're three of them. So 21 mm -hmm. more experts in different niches mm -hmm. around the country Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to get people like look at everything before you decide what to do. There's a lot of niches and sub niches in real estate, sure, but sure. part of that is the mental piece. Sure. So for example, Dr. Joe Vitale has a chapter in there. He was started in the Secret movie and he wrote 70 books. Absolutely. Why is he in there? He's mm -hmm. not even a real estate investor. Right. He works on this space. That's why the space between our ears. Sure. Because we've we've realized that the whole book does that. We've realized that. I, we can teach the our program, our base program to everyone. Sure. Why does someone come out and do a deal in 40 days and some takes 365 days? Why? Mm -hmm. sure. all the mental piece. So that book does a lot more of that and a lot more of us commenting on the different niches and different nuances out there. Mm -hmm. Now, could you maybe talk about that mindset piece of it, uh, Chris? I mean, obviously, you've seen many students, um, you know, come to your program, some with grand success, some struggle, things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, so it gives you a good vantage point about uh, what are the ideal characteristics or habits that you see in students that uh, can some take somebody from you know, complete newbie to a grand success. What are some of those mindset touch points that you, you kind of uh, always look for in a student? Oh, there's a whole bunch in, in no particular order. One is sure. managing, uh, managing expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, too many people see these fancy late night ads saying they can get rich overnight. And that's a problem <laughs> because it's just not the case. You can sure. get rich over time, but not overnight. Mm -hmm. So managing expectations is one. Secondly, understanding the relationship between this mind piece of the game and then what income you can earn you here's a different way of saying it you can never out your income will never surpass your level of this mental part of the game it just won't 
Sure. So if you're not improving yourself, improving yourself in the mental side of things in the training, forget real estate for a second. Mm-hmm. Your income will be topped out. Sure, sure. It's like a thermostat. It just will top out. Sure, sure. So that's a major, major piece of the game. And if you look at any uh, professional athlete, any professional actor, it doesn't matter. That is a piece of what they do. It's not only a piece. It's a big piece of what they do. Sure, sure. With great detail. So that's the big differentiator right there. Incredible. Thank you. And I like to always say, I think Jim Rohn had a great saying around it is that uh, don't ask it very easier, ask you way better. And that's where it is that you're continuously investing, learning. And, and quite frankly, this podcast is all about that as well, that I personally get to learn as well from many of the different uh, guests and experts that come on. So I appreciate your time. Uh, so Chris, uh, help us like, you know, you had a storied career now, you have uh, been into this space for decades. Um, you know, you obviously have students and things like that. Uh, give us some of your best advice uh, that perhaps you may have personally experienced or you got it from your mentors and things like that, uh, that you kind of preach to students or you kind of practice yourself on a daily basis. Okay, so uh, broader scale, uh, in case it's not, because it can be non-real estate, sure. it would be to simply do this. Uh, pick a niche, or I could be so broad as to say a business, but let's just talk real estate. Pick sure. a niche within real estate that you can get behind. You, re- you, just, you like it for whatever reason, or you can get passionate about it. Sure. Secondly, pick someone in the niche, or a group, or a community, mm-hmm. or a platform that shares the same values with you, and that mm-hmm. is still doing it, and is where you want to be, because association mm-hmm. is very, very important. Sure. sure. Third, make sure you then, once you decided that, that's all free due diligence, sure. you then put your blinders on and for mm-hmm. 36 months, do not deviate. Don't get thrown off by shiny objects. Follow that person or group. Mm-hmm. You'll have a phenomenal experience. I don't care if you're opening a restaurant, starting a real estate niche. Uh, doesn't matter what kind of business. If you do those three things, you'll have a great experience. Anything short of that, you're mismanaging expectations in my opinion. Incredible insights. Uh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time today. Uh, kindly share with the listeners how they can find you and learn more about your work and your company and everything. Sure. Thank you. They can go to uh, smartrealestatecoach.com. There's a free webinar. There's, uh, they can find us on YouTube. Just punch in Smart Real Estate Coach. There's hundreds of deal videos that we've done and we expose them. We show you exactly how we do them. And so that's not just the fluff. That's the good, the challenging, the bad, the excellent. Um, so those are two spots. Smartrealestatecoach.com is simple. Incredible. So there you go uh, for viewers and listeners. Smartrealestatecoach.com. That's uh, Chris's uh, holy grail right there. All the practical uh, stuff is there. Not the good stuff, but the bad stuff and the struggles as well. So you will find all of it there. For the viewers and listeners as well, uh, premiumcashflow.com, where we discuss uh, how you can partner with a lot of experts like uh, Jeff uh, and Chris and all his team here. And you can uh, either partner passively or be an active investor as well. So uh, head on to premiumcashflow.com. We have all the news articles and websites there. Uh, obviously, our podcast is featured where uh, you know guests like Chris come on uh, all the time, uh, sharing their knowledge and expert advice as well. So uh, with that, uh, th- thank you uh, for all our listeners and viewers uh, for watching or listening to this show. And thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate being on. 
Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Thank you.